How can we as creative educators and entrepreneurs find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision, all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. I'm a teacher, mom to three toddlers, self-proclaimed French fry connoisseur, and a marketing and launch strategist to teachers. I'm answering all your burning questions about starting and growing an online business using your teacher genius. In these podcast meets magazine style episodes, I'll give you simple mindset shifts, business tips, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We're going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. If you're listening to this podcast the week that it airs, you're in luck. I just opened the doors for enrollment to my brand new program, Teacher Hustle Prep School. If you've been wanting to get your teacher hustle started in a big way, or you've already started your online business, but you're looking to iron out the details of your business plan, you need to join us for this live training. You're going to get four group coaching calls for just $197, which is an absolute deal. And the reason I'm giving that deal is because this is the first time I've offered something like this. Together, we're going to nail down your niche and your product suite, what you're going to sell, how how much they will your products will cost. We're going to look at your messaging, which is what you show up and say in the online space about your business. And we're going to give you an action plan for getting visible that feels totally doable and is based on what you like to do and what your audience likes and not what some big marketing guru tells you you should be doing. I have never offered something like this before, but the reason I created this offer is because I had so many teachers, and I think because this year is just really stressful for a lot of you and you're looking for a creative outlet, some extra income, some financial wiggle room, some motivation, some community, and so I wanted to put together something that was really accessible for you. That's why this round is only $197 uh, because it's my first time running it and because I know you all need something like this. So come join us inside the very first group. We will see you inside Teacher Hustle Prep School. You can find out more information at elizamcdonald.com slash prep school. I know I say every podcast episode is my favorite. I start every episode that way. But seriously, this one takes the cake. Get your notebook out. Amber is dropping some seriously amazing tips for creating your brand's messaging your brand promise, and getting clarity around how you want to show up in the online space. If you've been listening to me long enough, you know that I am on Team Amber Williams. I joined Amber's team a year ago at this time, and I did it because I wanted to start the service part of my business. I wanted to work with another entrepreneur. Selfishly, when I saw the ad for Amber's job posting, I selfishly just kind of wanted to learn from her and work with her. And it's been just the best year, the best experience. I have learned so much from working with her. She helps elevated beauty brands find the right words to stand out and sell faster. She is a master brand strategist, a details-obsessed copywriter, and she lives to tell a good story, which you will hear quite a few in this podcast episode today. Her work is dedicated to teaching savvy CEOs how to build their brands and write words that sell without sounding like everyone else. She is a city girl, a mama of two, podcaster, 
and an organic coffee snob. She loves her coffee. Her best vibe is found behind her Mac, whipping words into million dollar making narratives. So sit back, relax, get out your journal and enjoy this episode with Amber Williams. I am here with Amber Williams. I know everyone has been asking me to do an interview with Amber because Amber, I talk about you on the podcast all the time and in my membership all the time. So welcome. And we would love to hear from you. I know they've heard a little bit from me, but I know my listeners would love to hear from you just a little bit about yourself and about your business. Yes. Well, I am so glad to be sitting down and having this conversation with you. I feel like we chat all the time, multiple times a week. So this is long overdue. And um, I'm just so honored to be here. Alyssa, I know that we met a year ago and you have just supported my business so much when it comes to just program design and marketing. And it's just been amazing watching your own business growth and watching you serve your community um, in such a dynamic way. I work in brand strategy and copywriting, as you know, and most recently I shifted to serving a new audience. And so today I help elevated beauty brands find the right words to stand out and to sell faster. You know, in short, we say that we help them elevate their brands one word at a time. You know, my career has been very interesting and sort of getting to this point. I've spent the past 10 years really working with an array of different kinds of creative businesses. And I've been fortunate enough to work with global brands. I've been fortunate enough to work with small businesses, um, with entrepreneurs. And one of the things that is just a common challenge that everyone has is how to say what they want to say in a way that makes them stand out, that makes it clear that they are different from the rest. And so Through my work, I get to solve for that. And it's my favorite thing to do. And I'm just so blessed to be able to be um, doing what I love. I know it sounds cliche, but doing what I love to allow other people to continue doing what they love. I can't, first of all, I can't believe it's been a year since we met and started working together. For those of the listeners that don't know, a year ago, I was, uh, let's see, where was I? I was in an apartment because we were moving. I was going to be on uh, maternity leave and I started to kind of, I just wanted to experience working with another entrepreneur. And I also wanted the consistent income of having someone else that I was kind of working for and going into the service area of my business was new for me. I don't even know how I stumbled on your job application, Amber, but I remember that I read it and I thought that's that's the one, that's for me. I need to work with her. I need to learn from her. And I feel like I've learned more from you in the year than than I've even helped serve your business. But I know it, I know it definitely goes, it, it goes both ways. And it's so funny because I remember verbatim your email to me about that position. And there was one line in there. And after I read that line, I was like, this is the one. And it said, my name is Alessa and I love copy, Kajabi and coffee. And I was like, this is my girl. Like, oh yeah, the winner. <laughs> and, and 
that was a moment for me. And it's kind of interesting. It's exactly what you were just talking about. That was a moment for me where these little random, I thought what I thought were random experiences were coming together. And I, as I wrote that email and I told uh-huh. you what I really loved, copy, Kajabi and coffee, I thought, well, she's going to think this is crazy. How is this going to come together? I like to write and I like Kajabi. Those two things don't have anything to do with one another, but that's exactly what you needed. That's exactly what I needed. And they have everything to do with one another. <laughs> yes, you're right. Now I, now I see that. Now I see that. So sometimes it's about taking that step before you're truly ready. And I know a lot of my listeners, they're just starting out and they're trying to figure out who are they going to serve and how are they going to help them? Where do they fit in? What is their contribution to this crazy, noisy online space? So can you Mm -hmm. talk to us about the importance of really nailing our messaging as we come into this space? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will say that, you know, just to back up a bit, you really listed that in the right order. Who are we going to serve? And before you even dive into messaging, which I consider to be an art of creativity, right? That is in the creative realm of brand development. The very first thing that everyone has to hone in on is who am I here to serve? And I know that, you know, every bit of business and marketing advice encourages you to do that. But how many of us really, really dive deep in understanding the people that we want to serve. It's funny because um, I was reading a book a couple years ago, one of Russell Brunson's books on marketing, and he said something that really stuck out to me. And he said that people need to stop asking their kids or asking their friends, you know, who do you want to be when you grow up or what do you want to do? The very first question instead should be, who do you want to serve? And I think that if we really take a you know, deep look, focused look at our backgrounds and our experiences and you know, all the things that we've done, then we can point to that answer. But that answer has to be so crystal clear and it has to almost be rooted in purpose, not just potential profitability, right? And so understanding who you want to serve is step number one in my book. And you want to sort of uncover several layers about who you want to serve. Or if you're already, you know, if you've been in business for several years, you want to dive deeper into several layers around who you're currently serving. And I call them the three P's. So, you know, when you learn marketing in school, they teach you the four P's. Don't listen to anyone who tries to teach that. (laughs) But the three P's of understanding, you know, your customer are perspective, personality, and preferences. And so before you can even sit down and figure out, okay, what kind of messaging is going to work with this person or what kind of word is going to grab their attention, you first have to figure out how do they see the world and themselves? And that is perspective. What challenges are they facing? What obstacles are in their way? Why are they experiencing these challenges? What is their perspective on these challenges? How did they grow up? What's their worldview? All of that you want to get a really, really clear understanding of. The second one is personality. And this especially informs your messaging, Alyssa, because 
you want to make sure that you know how your people talk naturally so that you can craft brand messaging that organically fits into conversations with them. So figuring out, you know, what tones of voice do they speak in? Um, What are their personality traits like? What are you picking up on? What kind of characters do they remind you of when you speak to them or when you see them or when you research them or when they talk back to you online? So perspective, personality, and then the third is preferences. Now, this is huge, right? Preferences is all about understanding your customer's inclination towards something. So who do they look up to? What do they prefer when it comes to communication? Who are they already responding to? What's already resonating with them? And if you can hone in on preferences and you can figure out how you can position your language and your brand to be favorable, right, in their eyes. So personality, preferences, and perspective, really step number one. Now, I was just going to say that's so much deeper than those worksheets that we get on ideal customer avatar, or it's like, what do they do on the weekend? What do Mm -hmm. they, what kind of coffee do they drink? You're saying that's not the important part. Right. Not at all. Not at all. And notice I didn't mention any demographics either, right? Because you can have people of the same age, same race, same location, be complete strangers, totally opposite in all of their preferences and all of their you know, brand to consumer behaviors. And so the only way to be able to properly answer these questions around perspective, personality, and preferences is to spend time with your customers, to spend time with the people you ideally want to serve if you're just starting out. And it's interesting how long of a process that can be, but it's equally as interesting how much fun that can be, right? So you and I, Alyssa, over the past year, how much have we learned from our customers that has informed our messaging, our products, our programs, what we're going to start, what we're going to stop, what we're going to say next, you know, like everything stems from that listening and that understanding of who we serve. Yeah. And you know what? I think sometimes we think... Oh, I already know. I already know my, especially because my listeners are teachers and we're usually serving other teachers. We think, well, that's me. I already know their personality. I already know their preferences and I already know their perspective. I don't even have to do the research, but there are such little nuances between even what stage they're in in their life or what they're looking for, what stage of the solution they're looking for, that you really have to begin with research. And that's where we always start research and then talking back and forth through that research. And what do they really want? What are they really looking for? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because a lot of times when you see someone or when you decide to serve a market where you are the target, right? Or you think you are also the target. Sometimes the only thing that you know is the problem. That may be it. That may be the extent to which your full understanding of your market lies and what they're faced with, right? What their struggles are. But you have to understand more. You have to dive deeper. 
And I think that we're we're in a an age and a, a season in business now where you know, it it's not where people have to hire expensive market research agencies. You know, you don't have to pay a ton of money for some sort of secondary research report on a particular market. You can get right on social media and stalk these people, right? You can figure out what are they responding to? Who's in this audience? You know, who do they like? Who are they following? And for lack of a better phrase, go down the rabbit hole. Right. And so that's one approach. You can also set up just informal coffee chats with people. Don't be scared to step away from email and, and, you know, the the messages behind the scenes. Don't be scared to organize a little group coffee chat or meet with people one on one and really have these in-depth conversations to understand who they really are and what they need uh, so you can figure out how to speak to them. And then once you figure out that information and you've done the research, where do you go from there in where where does some of this information go? Do you are you using it, you know, on your website? Where are some of the places that we can then use this information? Sure. So you're using this understanding of your customer to then inform what I call positioning, right? What is called positioning, brand positioning. So how do you fit into the lives of these people that you want to serve? What role do you play? And we always try to pick uh, a one-word promise or a one-word purpose uh, with my clients. So what have you determined that these people need from you? Do they need to be enlightened Do they need to be empowered? Do they need to be inspired, encouraged, agitated, motivated? Um, You know, what is it that they need from you? And you'll be able to easily answer that once you sort of get a grasp on their perspective, especially. And so defining that one word purpose is the very next step there. Because we all have a different role to play in the lives of our customers. And it's important that we know what it is that we are here to do. We're not all here to encourage, right? All of our messaging is not going to be encouraging like a best friend. Uh, Some of us are here to motivate and be that fire underneath our customers' tails to get them to do what they already know they need to do, right? We're not all... The cheerleader. We're not all the agitator. We're not all that bold, empowering voice in the lives of our audience. Figure out what you are, what you can uniquely do, and make sure it matches what they need. And that's how you then move on to messaging. You talk a lot about the importance of journaling to uncover that unique message. And I know that's a program that we kind of, we worked on a journaling program together. Can you talk to us about why you love journaling so much and why you're saying it's an essential part of your business? So I absolutely love journaling. You are right. And there is not a day that goes by where I do not journal, usually in the morning and in the evenings. And I think that journaling is one of those things that everyone sort of wants to add to their morning routine. They they want to make it a part of their, you know, business daily rituals, but it can be intimidating, I think at times for people to open up a blank page in a journal and just write. 
a lot of times we can get stuck in our heads and wonder, well, what should I say now? Which is why some of these prompted journals, like the, you know, five minute uh, the five minute journal or some other gratitude journals or those journals that sort of give you that first sentence. That's why they perform so well and why so many people buy those because they get you started. And the truth is that we are all journaling in some way or another, right? We're always putting our thoughts down somewhere, whether it's in a formal journal or whether it's on a posted note or whether we're writing in our you know, application and our phone, you know, to keep note of our thoughts, we're always sort of journaling. And I think it's important for me um, as part of my regular routine and exercise to journal because it releases my creative thoughts that I wake up with. And it also helps me begin the practice of clarifying my thoughts clarifying my ideas, and in many cases, clarifying the messages that I'm in the process of crafting for clients. And so it's it's so important for me, and I think it's so important for anyone who is in a regular practice of expression, who regularly needs to create content, or who regularly needs to sift through ideas and and figure out what are the right ones to share with people. And journaling can be invaluable for that. So many times, I think, especially with Instagram posts, we just, we grab, you know, a free caption tool or something to get our ideas flowing. But so much can come from journaling. And I know in one of your trainings, I I used a prompt that you did. It was called the Dear Mom prompt. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it was a journaling prompt and we worked through it and I I journaled on it. And then the next day you challenged us to turn around and turn it into a social media post. And it ended up being one of the most powerful social media posts I've ever written. And it was so much better than just a blanket caption template that you find online. It was that quality over quantity. And you talk a lot about that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, just going back to what you just mentioned around that post, I remember reading that post and I think it was like the letter to yourself, correct? Yeah. I distinctly remember reading it because it stood out to me because it was so incredibly personal and it was so heartfelt and the ideas were just building on top of each other with such a strong emotional arc that it didn't feel like marketing. And I think that when we just open up Instagram or when we just open up our email platform and we start writing, we're thinking about marketing. We're not thinking about who we really are and the fact that we're talking to real people. And when you take a step back and journal first, then who you really are comes across, right? Like your feelings, your emotion, your intention, it shows up in a very human way when the pressure is not on, when it's just you and that page and your pen. So when you go through that exercise and you then translate those thoughts to sharing it with your audience, then of course it does well because people connect to people. And so you're translating the essence of who you are, the essence of your brand 
through communication in a way that resonates, in a way that works much better than if you were to just start with the marketing outlet. And so I'm so glad um, that you shared that, Alyssa, because I remember that distinctly. It was a huge shift for me in understanding the difference between exactly what you said, marketing content and actual, actual, genuine, authentic, you know, from my heart content that people resonate so much more with. And even if you don't think you're creative or you don't feel like a writer, we talk about this a lot, uh, you can still do this activity of journaling, like you said, because the pressure is off. And what are some other ways that you think we could kind of get into the practice of being writers and and end that stigma that we place on ourselves that I am not a writer? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, the quality of our quantity piece is huge. So the purpose of journaling regularly is not just to come up with your next content idea so you can get your weekly email out or so you can do your daily social media posting. The purpose of journaling is to sift through which ideas matter and which ones are worth sharing. You know, the TED organization says they pride themselves on ideas worth spreading. I think we all have to hold ourselves to that standard because There is so much information out there, right? Customers are inundated with content, just inundated with emails and websites and ads and social posts and short form and long form and audio and print and written and it's everywhere. And so what we need to ask ourselves is what do we want to be known for and what kind of standard do we want our content to be expected from, right? Like what can people always expect from us? So if you've defined your one word purpose to enlighten, make sure that everything that you put out there is truly enlightening. And you're not just echoing what everyone else just said because you don't want to be left out of the conversation. I'll give you an example. If I think about Tim Ferriss and his podcast, I know that I can always count on extremely high quality, long form content. His podcast episodes are nearly two hours long. Some of them are about two and a half hours long, but they are with some of the world's highest achievers, most accomplished individuals. And I know That if I dedicate my time to listening to one of those podcast episodes, that conversation is going to shift my thinking in some major way. Dramatically, it's going to shift my thinking and possibly it'll shift my behavior. And so we are constantly faced with pressure to be visible and get this out. And, you know, you need an email every week and you need social content at least three to five times a week. And you need to post on this channel and that channel, but you don't, you don't, we don't. What you need is to commit to something that is consistent and that is of high quality that truly accomplishes the goal that you have for your audience. And that's how you really stand out. It's not about trying to keep up with what's happening. It's really about staying true to who you are and what you can offer and the connection that you want to create with your audience. 
I, I know my listeners are going to be so relieved to hear that because I know they feel the pressure of post on social three times a week, post, you know, send your weekly email. But then their question is, well, what do I say? And they're really just doing it to do it. And it is not, um, it's not profound. It's probably not sticking with their readers and maybe their readers aren't even opening it because they're not sure what to expect. And it is not predictable and it is not always giving that same feeling, like you said. And we, in your marketing strategy, we had this discussion too, because you the emails Amber writes, if you are not on her email list, go sign up for it after this episode. She writes these emails that are really thought pieces. I mean, you really put a lot of time into your emails. And when we started looking at a weekly strategy, it was just like, you know, you, you can't come up with that kind of content weekly. And is more meaningful and more impactful if you send it once a month and it's that thought piece. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we all have to ask ourselves, what do you want to do? And Alyssa, that was one of the questions that you asked me. And it really shifted my mind about marketing because I think we forget that these are our businesses. Like, what do you want to do? (laughs) You don't have to do anything. And when you asked me that, I was like, you know what? I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I don't want to write a weekly email because I don't have in-depth ideas on a weekly basis. And I don't want to rush to get a half-baked idea out there that isn't going to empower. And so that is my one word purpose, to empower the people in my community. And the only way that I can effectively do that is if I put out a well-researched, high-quality, almost editorial standard thought piece. And at that time, I was saying that I can only do that once a month. And that'll be just fine because my audience will come to expect that and the standard will be there. The only important piece of this is consistency, right, Alyssa? Like the only thing that you need to make sure that you stick to is the consistent rhythm. And and that's a reminder that I I frequently get from, you know, my marketing team is just (laughs) whatever you choose, just be consistent with it. Yes. And I I remember uh, when we did my interview a year ago, one of the first things you said to me was, I hate that line, done is better than perfect. And I thought, oh, shoot, that's like my favorite thing. I say it all the time. I always say it to my people, done is better than perfect. Because at some in some circumstances, you have to just get something out there. And that's my point about the line, done is better than perfect. Sometimes we just need to get it out to the world because we're paralyzed by getting it just right. But your side of things is that perfect or at least close to it, is better than just throwing something out there just to do it. And I I really think that it causes people to open. I open every email you send because I know that you put time into it. You made sure it was something that was going to be worth my time in reading. And that makes all the difference. Thank you so much. And I, I open yours too. And I know that you just shifted your rhythm around so that you could really focus on you know, quality to your standard as well. Because we're not publishing houses, you know? I mean, that is a lot to put on your shoulders to say, you're going to put this out this many times a week and this every single week. And and by all means, if that is your marketing strategy, keep going. 
I think our point is this, that the pressure is not coming from any external force. That pressure is coming from you. And you have the power to dictate and determine how and when you are going to put your message out into the world. That's up to you. Yeah, I love that. I think it is 100% true. And it's a reminder that I need to tell myself, and you're exactly right. I shifted to two podcast episodes a month and I used to put out weekly episodes and I thought, oh boy, you know, what are people going to think? Everyone loves it. And in fact, the listeners, uh, the amount of listeners increased. And on the off weeks, I still had quite a few listeners, quite a few, a lot of listeners because probably they had an extra week to consume that content, which was great. Or maybe they listened to it twice. It's amazing. It's so much better than just trying to pump out weekly content. Exactly. Love it. So we haven't really gotten into uh, the brand side, though we've been talking about branding this whole time. One thing that I love about you is how you can kind of look at a brand and, and immediately see powerful things that they're doing or things that they should shift or change. So I want to know what is one of your favorite brands of all time and what did you love about them? Oh my goodness. Um, Favorite brands in general or favorite brands to work with? Oh gosh. Okay. Let's say in general, just observing. Okay. One of my favorite brands in general is Tory Burch. And, um, you know, I've had the privilege over the past year to have developed a relationship with the Tory Burch Foundation and, you know, everything that they're doing. I've been able to be a speaker and an instructor for their fellows program. But beyond my connection and relationship with them on the business side, what I absolutely love about the Tory Burch brand is the consistency that they have with their message and with what they mean to their people. So the Tory Burch fashion brand and the Tory Burch Foundation, they are both all about empowering women. And you literally cannot miss that when you come across their brand. And it comes through not just in word, but also in their actions, you can see it in their partnerships. It's clear in the people who work, you know, for those brands when you interact with them. And I think that it is incredibly inspiring to see this kind of brand consistency actually work and take someone to the top. And so contrary to a lot of brands in these highly competitive markets, Tory Burch has stayed true to who Tory Burch is, right? She has stayed true to who she serves. The foundation has stayed true to their original mission and purpose. And a lot of times in business, you don't see people standing firm on who they say they are and what they say they're about. We see people shifting a lot with the trends, shifting a lot as public perception changes. We just see a lot of bandwagon jumping, right? But anytime I see a brand like this one really, really keep its foot rooted like in the ground of their foundation and they become successful, I just love it. I just love to see it. Well, when you think about brand, branding and a brand, 
a lot of the listeners and the teachers that I work with, we go straight to design, logo, colors, yeah. fonts. But you mentioned actions, words, partnerships, consistency. Is there a place for all of that when we think about our brand? Well, a brand is is something that really ties all of those things together. And I'll tell you a just quick story about how I came to understand the true definition of a brand. So I went to the Medill School at Northwestern for graduate school, and I studied integrated marketing communications. And it was, I believe, my third trimester there. And I sat on the very front row, you know, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> um, I didn't see this. <laughs> very front row, definitely not the smartest person in the room then. And it was my brand strategy class. And the professor posed this question. He said, what is a brand? And there were just hands flying in the air, right? All these overly confident, cocky, you know, 20 and 30 somethings. And everyone had their own definition. You know, some people were saying, you know, a brand is an experience. A brand is a logo. A brand is a message or a tagline. A brand is a story. And he just let us go on and go on and go on for about 20 minutes until he finally stopped us. And he put this slide up on the screen. And he said that, a brand is none of those things. A brand is a promise kept. And if you just let that soak in for a minute and think about that, it is absolutely true. Because brands, over time, they change their logos. They change their colors. They change their products and their services you know, they may change their taglines, their key messages, their websites. They change everything over time. But the thing that holds them together and the thing that should be the guiding light for any brand decision is the promise that it makes to its customers. So all global brands, you know, from Nike to Apple to, you know, Walmart, Mercedes, all of these global brands that have really withstood the test of time and have transcended generations, they have all changed those things, as I've mentioned, but they've kept a promise to their audience, to their community, and to the world. And that's what makes them a brand, despite the changes. And sure, we're not that size. We're not global brands yet. But if we follow that exact same pattern and that exact same thinking, then we can also build a brand that can last for a really, really long time and that can mean something to people for a long time. So a brand is a promise kept. Your logo, your messaging, your products and services, they are just tools to help keep that promise for your community. Wow. That is a, I, I think that's going to be a light bulb moment for a lot of listeners. And I think it opens the door because when we talk about our niche and we talk about being really narrow and specific and we say, you know, marketers say you need to pick one really specific problem that you want to solve. And yes, that can open up so many doors. And I, and I want to talk about that a little bit more, 
But if we remember that the brand, your brand is a promise kept, it allows you to say, yes, I am going to pick a niche for this particular problem that I'll solve, but my brand has this larger, more broad more broad promise that allows me to then expand, change as I need to, change my offers, change what I'm doing. And that's okay because I still have that brand, that overall promise that I will keep no matter what, that I will keep coming back to. And I think that that actually opens everything up for us. It does open everything up and it gives you a compass for decision-making. So, you know, Nike, I'll take Nike, for example, Nike's brand promise is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. There's nothing in that promise that mentions products, services, events, sponsorships, partnerships, nothing, because that would be too much. But they can use this as a compass to determine what products are the right ones to bring to market. What people are the right people to partner with? What events are the right events to sponsor? So it really does keep your brand a brand and keeps everything sort of working together um, in a cohesive way so that customers can recognize it. But if you don't have that clear promise, um, then I venture to say that you don't have a brand. You cannot be a brand. You, You will be just another business. Wow. So good. Recently, we kind of looked at all of your programming and your offers, and that's what where my role has taken me um, in your business, is really taking a good look at your offers and how they help solve this problem or this um, idea of brand development along different stages of entrepreneurship. And we made the decision... Um, or you made the decision, I should say, to niche down. It was something that I kind of, I had challenged you on a while ago. I said, you know, you love beauty brands. You are the lipstick queen. You taught me how to wear lipstick. I have no idea. I wore red lipstick for the very first time, thanks to you. <laughs> and we, I said, why don't you work with beauty brands? And you didn't you say your friend told you you're already doing all of this. So how did you make the decision to kind of niche down to working with just beauty brands? And what was that decision like for you? And how can we kind of um, go toward that decision in our own business? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I almost feel like I was violating my own advice um, (laughs) for the past (laughs) year. And so, you know, I was targeting creative change makers, quote unquote, creative change makers. And, And what I meant by that was individuals who were in creative industries, who were really defining their spaces and leading the way. And Of course, I love the arts and of course, I love all kinds of creative endeavors and I truly love creative brands, but that market is simply too wide. You know, what does it mean to say I'm serving creative brands? I mean, who's not going to say I'm a creative brand? You know, maybe an accounting firm or something like that, but it's just too wide to go after and as I was looking at who continues to come to me, who have I been serving and been serving well, and 
who are the types of brands that if they were the only kind of brand to ever come to me again, ever for the rest of my days, that I would be so excited to still serve? And when I asked myself those questions, every answer was beauty brands. And when I started my first business six years ago, those were the types of businesses that I started off serving. And many of those initial clients are still my clients six years later. And so I figured, why not just be explicit about exactly who I want to serve? Sure, it's scary. You know, it's always scary when you niche down because you think that uh, somehow niching means less, like I'm targeting less people. And I would encourage everyone to view it as, you know, now I'm targeting the right people so that the right people know that I am here for them. And, you know, the, the fear, it's hard to overcome because we see people competing for, you know, so much market share and people are competing to really be all things to all people. And they don't want to quote unquote limit themselves. But I think the analogy really reigns true when it comes to, you know, fishing. If you cast a super wide net, how many fish are you really going to bring in? How many? How many people are going to see your boat when you're out there? Not a lot. But if you go to a small area and you are one of just a few boats there trying to catch these fish, how many more fish are you going to bring back with your smaller net? And I have seen it happen over and over again with my clients who I always encourage to niche down. And it is just a smarter, more strategic way to grow a business. And I've noticed three things in particular, Alyssa, that really should be the reasons that anyone who may be considering niching down should make that decision. And the first one is sort of what I just described. And that is that when you niche down, you will become known within your true desired market faster. Like that will be accelerated because those people will see you more often. Your content will be tailored toward them, right? Your your name will start to float around within the smaller circle of people And you'll be able to reach that authority status much faster. And then the second reason um, and the thing that can happen when you niche down is that creating compelling content, you know, emails, social media content, podcast episodes, creating that really interesting, unique stuff that will convert, it's going to come almost effortlessly to you. Because you don't have all of these different kinds of people and all of these different industries and situations and stages in your mind. And Alyssa, I'm sure you can relate before you niche down to feeling like you have to make this, you know, apply to all these different people. You've got to make sure that this point I'm making, all these people are going to get it or this piece of advice, all these different kinds of people can apply it. And that's too difficult to do, you know? And so... When you niche down, you can do that um, in an easy way. And I know for me, in niching down to beauty, I must have come up with like 
30 to 40 new content ideas like in a week or two, <laughs> just because yeah. now there's there's just a smaller group of people, a very specific group of people I'm talking to um, that I know. You know them so well. Exactly. Yeah. I know them so well. So it almost feels like I am writing to a friend or to people that I regularly talk to, which takes the marketing sting off of things. And then the third reason um, to niche down is that your customer acquisition costs will decrease dramatically. So regardless of how you acquire your customers, whether it's organic or paid or through a referral program, a narrow target means you can invest your dollars more wisely, right? You don't have to be on every single channel. You don't have to invest in ads for all these different places or for all these different audiences, you can hyper-focus in and go deeper rather than broad um, to make your money and your investments work for you, right? And and produce a higher return. And so uh, those are the three reasons to niche down. Those are the reasons that I did it. And uh, I think it is a place and a stage that every business owner finds themselves in. Uh, when they are on that journey of growth. And to get to that next level, sometimes it means uh, cutting out a lot of the people that you were serving or were going after and just hyper-focusing. And it doesn't mean that you are absolutely limited to only working with that group. I think that some of my listeners have said that to me before. It's like, well, then what if someone comes to me from this other area and wants my services? And Amber is proof that that works because as everyone knows, I serve teachers, educators, and Amber is a brand strategist. So I did not connect with her because she was a teacher. I connected with her simply because it was a good match. So that doesn't mean that it limits uh, the people that you can work with. And I think for me, because I have so many ideas, I actually only niche down to teachers because the, a business mentor that I had at the time told me to. I honestly, I don't, looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? I thought I was going to help everyone, every small business out there. And I have so many ideas. There's no way I would have been able to even come up with anything or stay in my lane at all. I would have been constantly bouncing back from one idea to the next, to the next, to the next. And I, it just yeah. gives clarity to you, clarity to your people, and actually opens more doors than, um, then it limits, you know, I think that that's important to keep in mind. Absolutely. And the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, everyone wants to stand out. Everyone wants to be known for something. Everyone wants to be recognized for something. And it's almost impossible to stand out or build recognition when you are trying to talk to such a wide market. You're competing with so many people. And so, you know, it's it's essential if that is your goal as well, if differentiation is your goal, if building an iconic brand identity is your goal, you know, really figuring out who's the, the smallest viable audience, as Seth Godin says, you know, that I can reach and make an impact on that will eventually quadru- quadruple my community and my impact. Oh my gosh. I, that I, I don't want to keep you. I could probably talk to you all day long, but I do want to ask you this one other piece that is my favorite thing that you say is there's nothing new under the sun. 
There is <laughs> nothing new you're going to say that people have not heard before. So what's your advice for for that feeling we get that, oh my gosh, this has been said before. Somebody's already talking about this. So I can't show up in this niche because there's already somebody taking over that niche. How do we deal with that mindset? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there, and I just wrote an email about this recently, but there is nothing new, like you said, under the sun. Nothing is original, right? There's there's nothing that you can create. There's no product that you can develop. There's no service that you can conceptualize. There's no message that you can put out that has not been done or said before, perhaps in a different way. And I think that if we just sort of shifted our thinking around newness and the desire to want to be first, then we would realize that our role in, you know, the creative process or in the process of developing messaging or in the process of growing our brands, our role is not to create or do something new. Our role is to put our spin on it, to give the world our take, Amber's take, Alyssa's spin. Like that is what we are here to do because, you know, Austin Cleon talks about this in his book, Steal Like an Artist. We're all just stealing, right? We're stealing from the past. We're taking references from, you know, what's happening in this industry and that industry. You know, we're mimicking whether we realize it or not. But what our audiences are looking for us to do is to provide our perspective, our solution, perhaps to age old problems and package it up with our bow on it. Because while it may have been done before, it's never been done by you. So what do you bring to the table? What's the little thing that you add? What's the little shift that you are going to make? for your industry or for your customers that makes your solution feel different. And I think that needs to be our aim, not newness, something different. Oh my goodness. I feel like I am just, listeners, can you tell now why I love working with Amber? I just think that is amazing advice and advice that has to, you have to keep giving to yourself over and over as this kind of pops up. Uh, but so important to recognize that you do have a different spin to give on things and you have unique ideas to bring forward and you need to bring them forward. Uh, even though there are other people talking about it, that just means more people talking about it. And in education, we need more voices. We really need discussion and we really need lots of opinions. So we don't want to let that get in our way. Hmm. I mean, it, I, I have a beauty reference. If you just go to Sephora and look on the lipstick shelves, how many red lipsticks are there? <laughs> Nobody is saying I created red lipstick. Like some brand is saying this is non-toxic. Some brand is saying this is matte, stay all day. You know, some brand is saying this is multitasking or it's a liner and a lip or some, you know, like everyone has just added their own little spin or take on something that's been around since forever. And so when we see that there's oversaturation when it comes to solutions for a specific problem, 
all that means is that there's proof of concept out there. And that means that the need for solutions isn't going anywhere. Like that's actually a good thing when you find an oversaturation of solutions. That means there's plenty of customers ready to buy, willing to invest in solving that problem. And so all we have to do is is give a, a little different touch or a unique spin to it. And people are already proving to buy. And I think that's a critical mindset shift as well. Thank you so much for this, Amber. I so appreciate you coming on to talk with the listeners. And if anybody has noticed there is construction going on in my house, of course, at the time that we were scheduled to record. And I, my husband was like, are you still going to record a podcast with this going on? I said, yes, I am because Amber is very busy and I am not going to miss out on sharing her with my audience. I'm really so glad that we were able to connect here in this way. And I know that my listeners will want to learn more from you. And we recently developed kind of an introductory offer in your product suite that is really for all creative entrepreneurs, not just beauty brands. And it's called AW Writer Studio. And it is your very unique out of the box take on journaling. So can you tell us about the program and where the listeners can get their hands on that? Sure. Well, AW Writer Studio is my signature self-paced program that helps entrepreneurs uncover their unique message. Because I think a lot of people are just looking to figure out what sets me apart and how can I express that? And so it helps you find the words to express your message to your audience. And so there's five modules and it's all audio. So imagine a podcast meeting a guided prompted journal. I meshed the two together and there's five modules and you go through my signature framework, which is called the copy code. And the copy code has five different roles that you learn how to apply to your business and how to express in your message. And so we start off with, you know, how to sound like yourself and hone in on your unique brand voice. Then we move on to the art of brevity, how to be short but sweet. And it gives you a formula for crafting your own brand promise. I love that um, role. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually one. my very, that's my favorite role. Just being short but sweet, getting to the yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'll be able to figure out that core brand message, you know, that everyone wants on, you know, the hero of their homepage. And then the third role is I will say something worth remembering And so you'll learn how to really, you know, focus in on that quality piece, put out messaging and content that really, really pulls on the heartstrings of your audience. Uh, And I give you the exact playbook for how to do that. And then the fourth rule is I will stay true to who I am talking to. So in the beginning of this conversation, we spoke about, you know, understanding your customer's perspectives and personality and preferences. This shows you exactly how to get that understanding and some avenues that you can take, whether you are just starting out or whether you are more established to really keep a pulse on those things and how you can turn those conversations into content that really converts. And then the fifth and final rule and module 
is all about moving people to action. So you're going to learn specifically how to now take all of this heartfelt messaging that is memorable and short but sweet and in your brand voice, how to take that and now convert, how to get people to do what you need and want them to do, whether that's on your website, whether that's you know through a launch that you're having, whatever it is, um, it sort of gives you that play-by-play for conversion through words. And so that's the overview of the program. We have people inside Writer Studio who are from all different kinds of industries. We've got educators. We've got uh, beauty entrepreneurs. We have someone in there who's writing a book. We have people in there who are revamping their website, some people who are getting ready for launch. And so it's really something that you can use regardless of what stage your business is in to hone in and clarify your unique message. And so I invite everyone here to join me inside Writer Studio. You can learn more and sign up at amberwilliams.co slash studio. And I look forward to seeing you there. Oh my goodness. I know they will absolutely love it. We as teachers really love a good journal. So you can print this out. I've printed it out. I have it on my desk. And just imagine yourself in in the first kind of lesson, Amber walks you through the different materials you might want. She talks about her favorite notebook and her favorite playlist. And you are going to take your phone or whatever you're listening to this audio guided journal on and you're going to get your journal in hand and then Amber's storytelling is the first part. So the first part of each rule is Amber telling a story that's related to that rule and there's music in the background. It's very much uh, almost like meditation experience. You can, you know, shut yourself in your closet if you need to and put this in, listen to her story. And then she really walks you through how to answer these journal prompts. And you're holding your journal and you're journaling while she's walking you through. It is the one of the best products I have ever seen and such a unique unique experience that will help you truly feel like a writer and step into your own messaging and not just be worried about selling. It it takes the whole salesy piece out altogether because everything begins with this authentic, genuine messaging that you are creating on your own and you can do it. And she makes it totally doable. So uh, Amber, thank you very much for being here. I will share the link in the show notes to the journal and where can the listeners connect with you online? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me, Alyssa. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, everyone can connect with me on Instagram and on LinkedIn. So I am at amberwilliams.co on Instagram and Amber Nicole Williams on LinkedIn. And you can get some free downloads on my website at amberwilliams.co. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you, Alyssa. What an amazing episode with Amber. I want to tell you my three biggest takeaways, but oh my gosh, there were so many takeaways. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Amber is a brilliant brand strategist, and I knew that the moment we had our first interview together one year ago, when I knew that I wanted to start the service-based arm of my business, and I saw her ad. I wish I had the ad today, but 
it was something like she needed someone who basically wanted to learn more about copy, um, but also would be a good community manager and programs uh, person and mark and marketing person for her business. And so I just knew that was all of my favorite things coming together. And I knew I wanted to work with her. And I've learned so much from her in the past year. As you can tell, she is a wonderful storyteller. And some of those stories have really stuck with me. Really, one of my favorite things that she says, it's one of my top takeaways, is that idea that there's nothing new under the sun. And I don't think I could repeat it any better than she said it in that episode. But I think just to bring it back to us and the teacher world, I think that remembering that what we need to say, what we need to show up and post on Instagram and what we are writing in our emails and what we're creating blog posts on, these don't have to be brand new ideas. They can be ideas that have been around for a while, things that you've used in your own classroom, but you've put your spin on and you still need to talk about that because we need to open these discussions. We need to challenge practices that maybe don't work anymore. Things that you've seen and witnessed um, in education that you know just don't fit anymore. Come out and talk about that. Even if it's a challenging idea, even if it's a new idea, even if it's a twist on something old, you have got to take your ideas beyond the four walls of your classroom and put them out into the world. You have something to say. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if that weren't true. So say it. Even if there are other people in the space saying something different, even if there are other people in the space saying something the same, you have a responsibility to the teacher that's out there that needs to hear it to say it. So own it, say it, put yourself out there. You can do it. Just stay true to you. And the second biggest takeaway, although I, there were more than three takeaways, but the second biggest takeaway I think for us as teachers is this idea that your brand is a promise, a promise kept. And so if you think about some of the teacher businesses that you love that have really kept a promise over time, no matter what products or offers they put out, whether they're creating digital products or they put out a course or they put out a workshop or maybe they did a pivot altogether or they opened a new arm of their business, no matter what they do, they kept it underneath that same umbrella of that promise kept. And that's what really creates a brand that lasts. Even in this industry of education, you can still create a brand that lasts. Even though you don't feel as though you are this big business, you feel like a small business, I I can understand that. But like Amber said, these principles still apply and it allows you to move within your business and make changes within your business, but still stay in integrity. And then the third biggest takeaway that I had here uh, is when Amber kind of shared about her journey to niching down to working with beauty brands. And I'm so glad that she was open to sharing that with all of you because it's a recent change she's made in her business. And it's something that I know has been uh, a real shift for her because it she faces those same challenges that we all do. Well, if I niche down, will I exclude people? Will I limit? But she knows, she's always known it actually opens more doors and it allows you to stay focused and stay consistent. And what Amber did not tell you is that she is also a very busy mom of two young ones. She is working with clients. She is 
an amazing team leader. She has a very strong team that she leads in such a brilliant way. I don't even have the words to describe it. She is very busy. And so being focused not only gives her customers and potential clients clarity, but it allows her to really create those boundaries for herself around her work and the content she creates and the systems and um, processes she's developing within her own business. Everything is streamlined because she's able to niche down to working with beauty brands who she knows so well, better than anyone I know, and it in whom she's already working with and you know putting out into the world just these incredible words and these incredible brand uh strategies and so she's already doing that work it was just about really owning that and putting that out to the world so if you are thinking about stepping into a niche niching down you are choosing how you're going to show up in the online space i would encourage you you probably already know somewhere inside of you what you want to do and where you want to show up and what you want your niche to be, but you might be a little afraid to take that leap because it feels limiting or uh, you're not sure. And I think you already have the answer inside of you. So let this be the push that you need. Definitely grab Amber's journal. I know you are inundated with a lot of options when it comes to growing your business and investments to making your business and This journal is truly one of the best products I've ever seen on the market, and it will allow you to feel like a writer. Like I said, it's really um, almost like a spiritual experience or meditation. Her voice is soothing, and the way she tells stories is just incredible. So I don't know. I've said the word incredible and amazing a hundred times. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Go give it another listen next week. There is, remember, not a podcast episode next week, but there will be one the following week. So you'll get a week off to digest. Listen again. That is definitely one to listen again and take notes. And I will see you in the next episode. Don't forget to DM me, Teacher by Naptime, on Instagram with your listener questions so that I can answer them on the next podcast. And of course, please review this podcast. We so appreciate every review. We will be reading some of the reviews out loud in episodes this season. And so we really need you to please snap a photo, share, review, whatever you can do to spread the word. If you have a teacher friend who's looking to start an online business or grow their online business, please share this podcast with them if you think they will find it helpful. Hope to see you in the next episode and I hope you enjoy this new format of season three.